All right, hey, it's a new year. 2019 is here, all right? 2019, I feel like, is kind of that awkward year. It's like you want it to be 2020 because 2019 sounds weird to me. Anyways, maybe not. Maybe that's just me. But one thing we do know about New Year's is we often take it as a time to, you know, start over. We take it as a time to maybe better ourselves. We, we want to change our lifestyle. We want to change our behavior. Uh, some people make resolutions. Did anyone here make a resolution for 2019? Wow. Okay, no one. All right, that, that's okay. That's okay. Um, maybe, maybe we should. Maybe you're already doing everything perfect, so you're not in that boat. That's okay, too. Um, but hey, a lot of people like to make resolutions, right? What's my resolution? My resolution was to make sure I'm in the gym four times a week. So that's what I started doing. And eating a little more healthy. Eating a little more healthy. So I, I've, I've, I've held to it in the first week. So that's good. All right. Um, so I encourage you, you know, even if it's just lifestyle thing, but it, it, it goes beyond that. It, it can go to a resolution. I want to read my Bible every single day this year. I want to read through the entire Bible this year. You know, I encourage you um, to make a resolution spiritually for yourself this year that you want to grow in some way. And it, it may be different for all of you, but I really encourage you to do that. Uh, when you make a resolution, it's important that it's practical, okay? Because you can just say, hey, I'm going to eat better. Uh, well, if you ate, like, it, it makes me think of, uh, does anyone watch The Office? Okay. Do you the all know when Kevin Malone makes the resolution that he is going to eat more vegetables and all he has to do is eat one vegetable because the year before he hadn't eaten any vegetables. Okay, so maybe he should have been more specific, like, I'm going to eat a vegetable a day. But what, what I'm saying is when you have practicality behind it, so, uh, you know, if, if you want to be a bodybuilder, then, you know, you got to stop eating all the cheesecake. You got to hit the gym, do all that kind of stuff. Um, but beyond our personal lives that we want to change, we want to change the world oftentimes. We as believers, the new series we're talking about is, is called Change. And the phrase that goes with it is dream big and start small. And oftentimes, we as people, we want to make a difference in the world. We don't just want to go idly by and waste our lives away. I would hope not. You know, we want, we want to fight against hunger. We want to fight against homelessness. We want to pursue peace. We want to pursue unity. Hopefully, as a Christian, you would desire that the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth to every single person who hasn't believed it. We want to make a change in the world. But oftentimes, we get so focused on the big dream of everything, we don't take the practical little steps we need to do to get there. So this is what this series is going to be about. Like I said, change. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to give you guys what my goal is for us as a student ministry in 2019. And in the following weeks, we're going to talk about the little steps we have to do to get there. All right, so we're going to talk about the spiritual disciplines it's going to take for us to change uh, who we are in Christ, that we are living a life on mission for him. This is the line I want you guys to take away today. Big change for the sake of the gospel begins with small steps of obedience. Big change for the sake of the gospel begins with small steps of obedience. So it's not just this one swooping whoosh and everyone in the world has heard the gospel. It starts every day as you are pursuing Jesus. It starts with those small steps of obedience. That is how we're going to see a big change for the gospel. We'll get into that a little more here in a second. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. So if you have your Bible, you can pull it out. We'll have it up on the screen. Uh, and this is going to be a story that most of you are familiar with, David and Goliath, right? And we're going to start in verse 1. We might skip around a little bit because there is a, a lot of reading in this, but it's a cool story. So just hang in there with me. We're going to start in, verses, in verse 1. 
It says, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephesdemim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah. And drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side. And Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath. Whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs. And a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Who is Saul is the king of Israel at the time. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine, Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard this, the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So let's paint this picture real quick. So we've got the Philistines and we've got the Israelites. They're on different mountains and in between them there is this valley. And out from the Philistines walks this massive dude. In this text it said he's, he's six cubits in a span which would be about nine feet tall. Uh, now, the Septuagint actually translated as more as, uh, the Septuagint is, is the uh, Greek translation, initial Greek translation from the Hebrew. And it, it says it was four cubits, but that's still about seven feet tall. So we know that he was a massive dude. Whether it's seven or nine feet tall, whatever it is, we know that this dude is big. And obviously, this is what he trains for. He walks out, he walks up to an entire arm, and he says, come on. Who's going to fight me? He's just antagonizing them. He's like, who's it going to be? Come on, come fight me. We don't need to fight our, our army versus your army. We just need to go mano y mano, 1v1. All right, that's what he's saying. Just, let's have a boxing match except with a spear and a sword, and one of us is going to die, okay? Uh, and it will determine the outcome of a war. So there's a lot hanging on this, and here comes this massive dude just strutting out, and you know he was just probably like ripped, all right? This guy was probably huge. He had this massive spear on him. It said it weighed, the, the head of the spear weighed like, 15 pounds is what it, it, it translates to. So we're talking about a massive dude. This guy is strong. And he walks out and he's ch challenging the Israelites. And what do they do? They're like, oh, my gosh, I am not fighting that guy. Right? It would probably take 10 of us to even stand a chance against that guy. And it says they were greatly afraid. Has anyone ever here been greatly afraid of anything? Like spiders or the dark or everyone here is the bravest people I know. Let me tell you a story about when I was greatly afraid, okay? Usually I would consider myself a person that doesn't get scared easily, but uh, I'll admit there's been a few times in my life where I've screamed like a little girl, okay? And this is one of those times. So I was in high school up in Virginia, and me and a few of my buddies decided that we were gonna go down this haunted road, okay? So I hop in a car with my buddy. It's, it, his name is Jeremy. He's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. And we have another friend, Daniel, sitting in the back. And we had another friend group uh, kind of lagging behind in a car behind us. So there's like eight of, or seven of us total, three in, in the car I'm in. All right. So we're getting ready to go to this haunted road. It was like 10 minutes from where I went to high school. And everyone was like, oh, this place is crazy. Like, you're going to die. Okay. And we were like, you know, being stupid high school students, 
no offense, but being stupid high school students, we're like, oh, let's go do it. Yeah, let's go be a blast. So it, it's easy to talk a game up until you start getting in the car and you're driving there. And my butterflies started going. I was like, guys, I, I really don't know that we, like, have to do this. Like, this is probably stupid. And, and they're like, no, dude, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. So we get to this road, and the whole uh, thing behind it is you, you go under this, like, creepy-looking bridge, and that's really all there is to it. But my, my nerves are starting to kick in. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be weird. So we go, we're coming up on the bridge, we go through, nothing happens. Whew. Sigh of relief, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, we're good, we're good. But then I realized, you got to come back, okay? So the same way you go in, you got to go back. So we had to go turn around. What we did, there was like this little open space, maybe three quarters of a mile past the bridge. So Jeremy goes and like pulls in, he's like doing the eight point turn because it's a tiny little road. And we're sitting there and we're waiting on our other friends to turn around because they were in a different car. And we're sitting there. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and Jeremy is sitting to my left, and he looks, he goes, oh, look at us. And that's all I heard, because when I saw him go, I look to my right, and I see a face. I'm, I'm kidding you not. There is a face, like, six feet away. Just, I see eyes, mouth. I let out the most blood-curling scream. Ah! And literally, when I scream, it scared Jeremy and the other guy. We're all just screaming like crazy. He guns the gas. He's, like, driving and it was one of those moments in my life where I literally could not stop screaming. Um, like, literally, I was screaming for, like, 10 to 15 seconds nonstop at the top of my lungs. And I was like, what am I doing? And, and eventually, my brain started clicking. I was like, what did I just say? That was a deer. All right? It was a deer, like, sitting, like, six feet from the car. But when I, when I looked over, because, you know, I'm already on edge. I'm already on edge. When I look over, I just see these, like, two black beady eyes looking at me. And there's lungs now. I'm like, this is it. We're dead. So I scream, uh, and then Jeremy was like, dude, why'd you freak out? Because initially he saw it was a deer. He was like, oh, there's a deer. Here's what he was about to say. But all I got out was there's a, and then, ah, for Mason. It was just blood curling. I can imagine that when I was frozen with fear, that might have been the similar response to some of these people when Goliath walks out. He's like, hey, you, come on, let's go. You know, you have to imagine they're, like, frozen in their seat. Like, there is no way I'm about to start fighting this guy. Every single one of this entire uh, army in the Israelite army was terrified and wouldn't face him, except one guy. His name was David, and he wasn't even a soldier. He was a shepherd. The only reason he is there is to bring food to his brothers who are soldiers. And he walks up. He's like, who is this guy that's going to defy the armies of God? How can he stand up against the armies of God? And all the old soldiers are like, oh, I don't want to go out there. He's like, sign me up, man. Let's do this. Like, if he's going to sit here and defy the Lord, I know that the Lord will deliver us. So he responds by saying, hey, let's do this. Come on. Pretty much is what he says. Not, not exactly. But skipping down to verse 31 is where we're going to be. It says, when the words that David spoke were heard. So when the words, when he was like, who is this guy that's going to defy the Lord's army? When Saul heard about this. He sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, struck him, and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. 
And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So first off, we have to stop and say, okay, David was actually kind of a bad dude. He's talking about killing lions and bears with like his bare hands like it's just something he does on the daily. He's like, yo, when when a lion or bear comes and steals my sheep, I chase it down, hit it in the back of the head choke slam it, strike its skull, and, and we're good to go. It's just another day in the life of an OG shepherd. You know, it's just like, it's just, it's what I do on the daily. I just kill lions and bears. So we see that, uh, that David here, he's not just your ordinary guy, all right? But here's the key. Verse 37, David is not relying on his own ability. He says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David knows that he is empowered by God to do whatever it is that God would place in front of him. God had been faithful to David in delivering before, and delivering him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, so he knew he could defeat Goliath. He knew that God was going to give him Goliath. In a similar manner, David was faithful. So we see that God had been faithful in delivering him, but David was faithful to the Lord as well. You have to imagine that David is sitting here, you know, shepherding this flock, being the shepherd while his brother's out at war, it would have been easy for him to question why he was where he was. Why did God have him here looking after these sheep when his brothers were out fighting for their country? But he had been faithful in the small things. And it's through that that God allows him to be faithful in the greater things. He had been faithful to watch over the sheep, and then we're going to see how God used him and his faithfulness to then defeat Goliath and then become king of Israel. And it was through the circumstances of his faithfulness through the little steps, through those little steps of obedience that prepared him for greatness. Uh, moving on to verse 46, it says, this is, um, this is David now speaking to Goliath. He has walked out. He's about to fight Goliath. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves. Not with the sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David, so that David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and drew it out of its sheath, and killed him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. That's pretty epic, right? So, so David is walking out here. The, this Philistine is standing in front of him. Massive dude, right, with the armor, with the spear, the sword. And David's walking out there, like, with his sling. And this guy's probably like, wait, what? Who is, who is this guy? He probably thought, honestly, like, is this a crazy person? What, what, what was going through Goliath's head? Uh, you know, anything but the stone. The stone went through his head. But what was going through his head mentally, right, before the stone went through his head? He was probably thinking, this guy is crazy. He's saying that he's going to defeat me. He's going to 
defeat our armies, that our bodies are going to be food for the birds and for the wild beasts, he probably was like, this guy's nuts. Because we have to remember, David's not a soldier. He's a shepherd, and he was actually more prepared for this moment because he wasn't a soldier, because he was a shepherd, because he had used this sling and this stone out when he was protecting his flock. So now he had everything he needed. But it would have been easy right back in those moments, shepherding that flock of sheep to question, God, why am I here? Why are you having me where I am now? It reminds me of kind of uh, the movie Karate Kid, where the kid is having to do all these meaningless, meaningless, seemingly meaningless tasks, like wax on, wax off, and do all this stuff. You know, he's learned. He's like, he's like, dude, what, what am I doing this stuff for? And before you know it, he's like a karate kung fu beast. And you're like, what? If it was that, anyways. But he didn't know why he was doing what he was doing. But ultimately, it came back and was useful for him in the end. It taught him everything he needed to know, even when he didn't know. It was preparing him for what's ahead. So how could watching these sheep be significant for David? While protecting his flock, David would end up facing these lions and the bears. If David had never faced the lions and the bears, he would have never been prepared for Goliath. If he had never faced the lions and the bears, he would have never been prepared for Goliath. Sometimes in life, guys, you have to face the lions and the bears so that you'll be ready when the giant comes. Sometimes in life, you're going to have to face things you don't know why they're happening because it's going to prepare you for what's ahead in your life. Sometimes the lions and the bears, you know, for us, they don't make sense in our lives. Why am I going through this? Why have I lost a parent? Why did my best friend die? Why am I sick? What are you doing, God? Sometimes we have to face those things because it's preparing us for the giant that's ahead. Because you have to imagine that while David was a shepherd, he couldn't have seen why, why he was going through what he was going through, how it was going to benefit him in, in any way, but ultimately it prepared him the best that anything could have for facing Goliath. God is going to be preparing us for something great even through those moments. Many of us often don't understand or may not see why it's important to, to, to be faithful in the little things. Why is it important to read my Bible? Why is it important to pray? In the same way that it prepared David without him knowing, those are the ways that God prepares us for what's ahead. If you're not studying his word daily, if you're not in prayer, if you're not in discipleship, then God can't be shaping you into who he wants you to be to be ready to face what's ahead. We have to be faithful in those little things so that we be prepared for the giant. Goliath was big, but our God was bigger. And he worked through a little guy named David. No, Goliath is too big for God. Nothing you could ever face is too big for God because he is our source of strength and confidence. We know that whatever we face in life, we're not alone. We have friends, we have family, yeah, but even if they were to abandon us, we're not alone. If you're a believer in Jesus, we know that God is our source of strength. He's almighty. He created everything. He has dominion and sovereignty over every single thing. That's how David knew that he would be victorious over Goliath. He had seen God be faithful in the past. He knew God would continue to deliver him. So here's what I, I want to charge us to do. 2019, I want us to step out in faith. I want us to, to, to pray for some big change. I want God to do something incredible this year through you guys. I want us to reach Decula High School. I want us to reach Mill Creek. I want us to reach Mountain View, Archer, HCA, all the different schools that are represented in this room, 
I truly believe that we could see hundreds of people come to know the Lord this year because of y'all's faithfulness. If you are willing to be faithful in the small steps of obedience, I truly believe God can do something incredible through you guys. But it starts with the small steps of obedience. You want to see your school change for Jesus? You want to see the gospel change this community? we got to be on our hands and knees praying that the Lord would do it. We have to be in his word studying what God is calling us to. We have to be in discipleship. We need to be growing in generosity. We need to be persevering through trials. We need to be turning away and running from sin. It starts with those little steps of obedience. So here's the thing. I truly believe, I truly believe that if we were to make the vow today, make the resolution today, that we are going to devote ourselves in obedience to the Lord in our personal lives, if we are to start small, we're going to see God change big. We're going to see the gospel do some crazy things in your schools, in this community. And it's not for us. It's not for me. It's not for Hebron. I think God wants to do something incredible through you guys. And all it takes is our willingness to be faithful. Because here's the thing. David, he relied on the power of the Lord, yeah. But God used him because he was willing to take that step of obedience. It was God that did the delivering. It was God that ultimately slayed Goliath because it makes no sense why David would beat Goliath. But we know that we, we hold the power of God, the power uh, of the Almighty and the universe within us, and all we have to do is take the step of faith. And I really do believe that we can see God do some amazing things this year. So that's the big dream. I want us to be in our schools. I want us to be in our community, wherever you are, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. In order to do that, it starts with what we do, the little things. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. What are those little things that are going to move us towards that? I wanted to take this first Wednesday night of our year to kind of display that, charge you guys with that, that we are going to be on mission this year. I am going to be challenging you guys to grow personally in your walk with Jesus, and I think it's going to overflow in the way that you interact with others. I really do think God has something great planned for this year and beyond this year. David's small steps of obedience, watching that flock, prepared him to help save Israel, to eventually help become the king of Israel, to lead that. So that line I want to remind you guys of this, this week, it says this, big change for the sake of the gospel begins with small steps of obedience. We don't have to go change the world in one day. It starts with what you do every day, daily. So we're going to be talking about what those little things are in the coming weeks and how we're going to go about dreaming big but taking those practical small steps to get there. Here in a few minutes, band don't come up yet, but we're going to get ready to close and I want us to remember that this isn't all expected to be on our own. We're relying on the power of God. But we're supposed to act out. We're supposed to take those steps of obedience. And the first step is to trust the Lord. David trusted the Lord. That's how he knew he could face Goliath. So if you're in here tonight and you've never trusted the Lord, you're missing the most important thing. You can do all the good in your life that you want. You can, you can go on mission trips. You can come to church. You can give. You can be generous. You can be nice to people. But if you haven't trusted in Jesus as your Lord, it's all for nothing. It doesn't hold any weight. 
God has called us to something so much greater, and, and we ourselves can't act in our own power. You're acting on your own power if you aren't trusting in the Lord. So if that's you tonight, if you've never trusted in the Lord, man, when the band plays this next song, I'm going to be standing over here. Please come talk to me. Come find one of our leaders. We'd love to talk to you. For the rest of us, I want you guys to be gearing up because these next few weeks we're going to be talking about the steps we need to take to begin reaching this community and reaching our schools. Let's pray together. Dan, y'all coming up. Lord, thank you for today. God, I'm so thankful for, God, your grace and your mercy. Lord, that you are willing to use us. Lord, we, uh, we don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your life. Lord, yet you still remain faithful to us. Lord, as you delivered David from, from the lions, the bears, and, and Goliath himself, Lord, we know that you will deliver us as we seek you. Lord, I pray that you do something incredible that would just blow our minds this year in 2019. That we'd see change like no other, not because that we're good or that Hebron is special, but because, God, you are all-powerful and you're worthy of our best. Lord, I pray that every day we would be seeking you, that we would be on our hands and knees praying for the lost, that we would seek out opportunities to share your love and your kindness with everyone we come in contact with. God, I pray that we would go deeper in your word. We wouldn't be satisfied with just surface level, but God, we would go deeper into studying your scripture and, and growing in our walks with you. Lord, change us and mold us, transform our hearts, our desires, our wants. Lord, let it be aimed at you. Lord, we're dreaming big because we know that you are a big God. We know that we can't outdream you. We know that there is no limit on what you can do through these students. And God, I pray that we would take hold of that. We would, we would have our confidence and boldness in you, not in our abilities. It doesn't matter if we're not good at talking or speaking or, or if we don't think we're, we're worthy of your gospel. None of us are worthy. But Lord, you call us a child of God. Because of your grace, God, your mercy, your blood on the cross, we can stand here and proclaim your truth. Lord, I'm so thankful for that because I know on my own I could do nothing. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. Move in this place. Praise in your name. Amen.